It's pouring with rain and I can't find my way back to my hotel, so I duck into a church. I'm lost, I say, and the lady in the church looks so happy. I'm trying to find the Hampton Inn, I say. She looks slightly crestfallen, and a joke forms in my head. I have so many questions, I say. Do I turn left? She looks annoyed and gives me directions to the hotel. Back in the rain, I chuckle at how funny the joke was. Telling a funny joke well, I think to myself, that's the meaning of life. Sometimes I see myself as a positive thinker, but in the wrong way. Tonight, I'm going to walk on hot coals. Yeah, well, we were looking for the people who were setting the fire up. Is that you? Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be indoors doing the training. And we have the other guys over there at the moment just preparing the fire and everything, just laying the fire bed. Right, so you guys taking part tonight? I'm not sure that I will. I've got athlete's foot. That's fantastic. We can cure it for you. Really? Or, or one easy go, yeah. But it my... We'll cauterise it for you. <laughs> it means, but it means that the skin on my right foot is pretty... Oh, uh, is it my left foot? One of my feet. OK. You'll get a bit of ash around it and everything else, but, you know, you can clear it out. It's not an issue. What I say to you is if you really think about possibly taking part, come in and do the training. Base your decision on how you feel at the end of the session. It takes a lot of courage to say, look, I don't want any part of this, I'm going to walk away. So if you do it, it's going to be an empowering decision, and if you don't, it's still an empowering decision, so what do you have to lose? If I do it, it's going to be empowering. If I don't do it, it's going to be amazingly empowering. Either way's good. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine for a lot of people when we go outside, there's going to be some element of fear involved. When you see the fire and you have to walk across it in a few moments, there's going to be fear involved. I want to show you how to be able to turn that around, so be able to go from that position of being afraid to a position where you feel far more resourceful. Cliff says we're not normal people. He says the normal people are outside hoping to watch us burn. He says we're warriors and we're 40 feet tall. I look around the room. We don't look like warriors. We look like office workers. We look like a man I know called Ian Hayworth. Ian Hayworth was a successful businessman, but a negative thinker. He was selfish, and he gave nothing to society. And he smoked. And then one day, he walked into a shopping centre in Toronto. I was approached by a very attractive lady who claimed she wanted to do some kind of a survey. Were you being flirty-fished? Well... She was using eye contact and smiles in a very effective way, let's put it that way. Flirty fishing, as you know, relates to another group altogether, but certainly I was being love-bombed. Anyway, I answered some questions for this survey, and lo and behold, at the end of it, she said the way I'd answered them, I was bound to be interested in this marvellous group that was operating in society. She said, isn't it time you consider giving back instead of taking from society all the time, like most people do? And she made me feel rather guilty and selfish, and I was selfish. And so I did agree to go along to an introductory meeting the following week. It hurts me to hear To see you got no faith in yourself Ian turned up at a hotel ballroom and he listened to a series of speeches and he was bored stiff. The only thing that was of interest in the entire evening was when they caught me having a cigarette in the corridor outside and they said they had a course to show people how to quit smoking. Have you noticed, by the way, when you described the way that the woman was making eye contact and smiling to kind of get something out of you, it's exactly what I'm doing to you right now. I'm making eye contact, I'm smiling, I'm nodding, I'm saying, go on. <laughs> so perhaps in a way we journalists are also 
evil cultists. With all due respect, you're not as attractive as she was. I have a certain, uh, <laughs> a certain something, though, wouldn't you say? <laughs> anyway, so I, I digress. Yes. It was on a, a Thursday night that we went through enrolment, and the course continued Friday night, then all day Saturday and Sunday, and by the end of the course, I'd given the group all the money I had, dedicated my life to it, and resigned from my job. Did you give up smoking? By Saturday midday, I had in a sense quit smoking but I'd also quit being me it bothers me now to watch you you got no faith in your own self yeah, that's a big thing to take in that, that somebody could change that yeah. radically in such a short period of time but the average cult I've come to learn since then does only need someone for three or four days to completely change them and well, we are fragile people, aren't we? We are, a lot more so than we imagine. And, and usually the easiest people to recruit are people that think it would never happen to them. What um, sort of thing were they saying to you to make you change? I would argue that it wasn't what they were saying to me uh, rather than what they were doing. I was deprived of sleep. I was unable to go to the bathroom when I wanted to. I was unable to question. And we were hypnotised 16 times in the four days. And by the end of the course... They would just mention meditating and we would go into a deep trance. So one of their big things was positive thinking. You can do anything if you... You can do anything if you want to do it. It boils down to self-deification. You can do anything if you're positive and move forward in that direction because you are a god. And our time is right now. Now we can do anything. We really want to Our time is now Here in the morning of our life I was on what I can best probably describe as a tremendous high at the end of this course and I drove home at 115 miles an hour but I was invincible all of a sudden will never forget the feelings I had that if the police were going to chase me, they'd have a flat tyre. If they had some kind of radar device, it would jam. And so I can certainly say that I felt that I was invincible. I remember a man who'd gone on a similar course to the one I was on, and he'd gone home and jumped in his swimming pool and stayed underwater to breathe underwater because he now knew he could. Well, perhaps you won't be surprised to find that he didn't succeed. How long did he stay underwater for? I don't know how long he stayed underwater for, but someone fished him out and he did survive. So now that you've left the group, are you more of a negative thinker? Am I more of a negative thinker? I'm actually an optimist. I'm the real me again. I cease to be a clone of the group I was in. Is there anything you miss about, anything at all you miss about the attitude that you had as a result of being a member of that group? There's nothing I miss about the attitude I had. It's quite chilling to think about it. Our time is now here in the morning of our lives. These days, Ian is someone you go to if you want negative information. If you've lost a loved one to a fringe religious movement, a cult, Ian will tell you about their mind control tactics, how they brainwash and abuse. He runs the Cult Information Centre. He's not someone you go to if you want to hear how these groups are sometimes unfairly demonised. We've been preparing to walk on fire for an hour 
when Cliff asks me to raise my right arm and reveal that I am weak and worthless and useless. I'm weak, I'm worthless, and I'm useless. I'm weak, I'm worthless, and I'm useless. I'm weak. And then someone puts their fingers on my raised arm and presses down and my arm falls limply to my side. Oh, my arm was down in seconds. But then Cliff says I'm not weak and worthless and useless. He says I'm strong and powerful and magnificent. And I raise my arm again and I begin to chant. I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm magnificent. I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm magnificent. I'm not someone who tends to test the limits of my potential, so what follows comes as a surprise. Someone presses down on my wrist, harder and harder, but to no avail. My arm remains firm, erect and magnificent. I suddenly feel a little like Nietzsche's Superman, or Tom Cruise and all Scientologists, or one of Leni Riefenstahl's proud naked women. These thoughts really do pass through my mind, and I realise how thin and brittle is the veil of weak secular liberalism. I think cruel and superior thoughts about a man I know called James Crawford. James made a positive decision in his life, but it was a decision based on weakness, not magnificence. I was surprised, James, when I heard your story because I always see stand-up comedians as being, you know, egoless, you know, steadfast people with, you know, no fear or paranoia at all. Right. Yes. Uh, that's not me, really. Right. Uh, I haven't got a big ego, but I've. Um, j- I'll tell you the story, shall I? That's yes. what I'll ha- Okay. Well, I went up to Edinburgh with a friend of mine to the Fringe to do a comedy show. It was a double act. And one of the big things about being up in Edinburgh is that you need to get your show talked about. You need to get some publicity. So uh, we managed to persuade the Scotsman, which is like kind of a big Scottish broadsheet, to come along and uh, and see us. Um, How many stars did you get? We got four stars. Really? Yeah, that's wow. pretty good. This sounds like it's going to be a happy story. It sounds like that, doesn't it? The thing is, we were thrilled when our technician ran up the stairs at the beginning of one of our shows shouting, you know, you've got four stars, you've got four stars. And he said, well, it says here, it says, um, it's, a, it's a terrific show. It says, it's, actually, it's, it should be on the tape. James was recording himself in Edinburgh, capturing for posterity what he believed was the genesis of his comedy career. And so it was that he recorded the moment he picked up the Scotsman and read the review. Comedy is a queer old business. One thinks of the greats, Laurel and Hardy, Morgburn Wise, Fry and Laurie. In each case, the pair is perfectly matched. So it presents the review with a quandary when one member of the pair is superb and the other, well, isn't. That's me. The show opens with a sketch about Laszlo disposing of his erstwhile partner who is dragging him down into the depths of comedy nowheresville. Just how much truth there is behind this joke we come to learn during the 60 minutes of their act. Should Laszlo ditch the dead wood that Parkin represents? If he does so, I genuinely believe he will be a star within three years. If he doesn't, the odds are they'll be lucky to play a summer season in South End. Laszlo looks like Adrian Edmonton and performs like Rick Mail. He has timing, delivery, energy and physical flexibility. Uh-uh. He has timing, delivery, energy, and a physical flexibility I haven't seen since Rowan Atkinson. Parkin, on the other hand, is quite tall. Right now, it's still a good show, and it might be worth pulling out all the stops to get a ticket, if only so that you can feel really smug about seeing Laszlo before he became big. 
so we so we all gathered round to hear that, and um, it starts off you know very positively, and then they got onto my bit, and then there was this hideous silence. <laughs> then the first audience member came through the door, and we had to do the show. I'm so sorry. The, I, I know what, I know what they meant about the timing though. Your timing here right now talking to me is impeccable, but <laughs> but your timing as you were reading the article wasn't quite so impeccable. No, that was. That was the actual day that I got the review, so perhaps I wasn't feeling in my most, you know, comedically sparky sort of mood. So you went, you went on stage every night, next <laughs> yes. few weeks, knowing that you were the Mike Winters. <laughs> Definitely. I mean... Worse. See, worse. Much, 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 much worse. worse. I felt like a sort of vampire, you know, a comedy vampire, just sucking the comedy out of the people who I was with. If only to see Laszlo before he got big. That's the line that really... Yeah. That's, that's the moment where your heart just rips in half. Is, is, it, is it tough listening if you're a... Yeah, oh, yeah, very, yeah. very hard. Did you discuss it? We didn't at all. That was one of the great Never... things... The great thing about a public school education is that you can just skirt around that sort of stuff and just not talk about it ever again. So uh, we haven't really talked about it at all, even to this day. Terrible thing about it is that, you know, I met you today and... and Seemed very nice. Thanks. Seemed like a lovely man. Funny. You came into the studio funny, talented. <laughs> but then, when I heard that review, you, you diminished somewhat <laughs> in my eyes. I, I, it was like... Uh, <laughs> it's like I couldn't look you in the eyes anymore and I suddenly felt as if, you know, that this studio was reeking with the stench of failure. Did you feel and like it was the power of... of um, of that review from that person in Scotland, you know, it's... Uh... Did you feel less funny because I was in the, in the, in the room <laughs> with you? I bet you did. No, I felt more funny. Did you? Oh, good. The positive decision James made as a result of this Damascus moment was to give up comedy. Never again would he perform on the stage. And you know what? He hasn't. Edith Arad is a singing teacher. She's made the positive decision to fire all her students that she considers to be in any way driftwood. You said we shouldn't see each other anymore. Yes. And were I they were they were they upset? Um, yes. Yes. Did uh, they say let's give it, you know, another try? It usually came with a warning. So it usually came with a, this is not working. Let's try it for another three sessions. See if it will work. How many of your students <laughs> did you um, How did you dump? Seven. It was hard to do. It was mm. really hard to do. I you, did not feel good about it. You've got some left. Right? Yes, I have got some left, and I've got some new ones as well. Okay. So that's that's okay. But then did you decide <laughs> that that was working? I'm going to do this in other Elsewhere. aspects of my life. Yes, yes, definitely. So what did you do first? People. Again, people. I think we accumulate people in life that are around us that put us down, for example, or that don't really accept us the way we are. And that can sometimes interfere in your own ability to be confident and positive about your life and who you are. So I had to say goodbye to a friendship. Just one? Just one friendship. What did you say to them? That I think that, that this person cares for me 
and I care for them, but they're unable to accept who I am as a person, as a totality. And I'm probably incapable of accepting them as a totality. Did you again give it three sessions? Did you say to them, <laughs> well, you know, go to a movie and, no, and no, no. have dinner? No. And the park? Didn't and... do that. Really? So you didn't, didn't even give that. them the three sessions? Didn't do that. Wow. I it's just very, become a very, very cruel um, person. You know, you're very stringent, admirably stringent of you. I've decided to change other things about life as well. I'm probably moving away. Away from, from London. London. Are you giving London three more chances? I'm giving London three more chances. No, I'm not giving London any more chances. I love London, but where it is difficult to remain positive, I would say, is that when you finally have the nerve to let go of things that have been stopping you, obstructing you, making you feel inadequate, you are making a kind of space for yourself and it's quite scary after doing that to kind of look at the space and you think okay so I'm all alone and none of this exists anymore and the temptation is then to immediately want to put something there to replace it and what you might put there to replace it is not necessarily any different to what was there before so you have to be quite careful okay so you dumped seven students at least one friend yes a country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, London. Um, you feel good about so this. So you think I'm, I was very cruel, do you? I sort of think that sometimes you just have to accept people's weaknesses and it's okay. I think you do, and I think that I have, because I think that we all have weaknesses, but there are weaknesses with which you cannot work, and if you do, you turn into a passive-aggressive. It's not very good. I think there is a tendency, dare I say it, in this society for passive aggression. Mm. I am a passive aggressive oh, well, person. Mm. <laughs> and I, and I That's why you think you should live with all sorts of things that annoy you. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I don't see it as an entirely positive character trait. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an exponent of passive aggression. No, I don't. I so hope I do. so. No. Mm. <laughs> I am nearly ready to walk on hot coals. Here we go again. Ten, I want to see what you're going to see. Nine, I want to hear what you're going to hear. Eight, I want to feel what you're going to feel. Seven, I want to hear you're bigger. Six, make it brighter. Five, make it louder. Four, make it big. Three, looking good. Two, here we go. One, yeah! And then we went outside and we saw the burning coals. It was a path, 20 feet long, flames pouring out of them, and surrounding the flames were the normal-sized people. They had camcorders and mobile phones with photo messaging and they were waiting to watch us burn and I began to have second thoughts. I thought of Danny Wallace, one of Britain's foremost positive thinkers and what a disaster it was when Danny taught me to be positive. Danny's story began when he was bored one day and he put an ad in Loot saying, join me and send a passport photograph and to his surprise, people began to join him. When the first passport photo came through, obviously he didn't know he's joining something that's going to be, you know... Who headed. was he? His name was Jonesy. When I got his photo, I just looked at it, and it was a friendly, grinning man with a big pair of glasses, and I thought, I'll get on with him. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking at you there as well. <laughs> Sorry. And I thought, I'll get on with him. And so I wanted to meet up with him. I wanted to know why he joined me, and he wanted to know 
what he'd joined. And his mate was going, don't go and meet with this guy, because he's clearly going to kill you. And my mate, Ian, was going, don't go and meet with this Jonesy, he's going to kill you, clearly. So we're two quite scared men in a pub here to discuss this join me thing. He's got lots of questions and I've got no answers for him whatsoever. So I'm just trying to bat them away. And, and he, like you, is saying, you know, what is this all about? And I'm going, well, you know, we'll get to that. And he's going, well, who's joined? How many people are involved in this whole join me thing? And I don't want to say. So I'm just going, numbers aren't important. It's, you know, it's not about numbers, it's about people. And he's going, well, how many people? And eventually I had to tell him and I had to say, well, it's just two of us. So it was like a blank page. And at that stage I thought he was going to run away, but he just said, can I get a badge or something? You know, can I say so he wanted to belong to it? So then you decided that you needed to believe in something. So you decided to believe in being positive. And is that is that something that that, that came naturally to you? Would you say that you're naturally a positive person? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite positive, and I, I think that when I started this, you know, I find cynicism really dull. I think it's one of the dullest human traits. If you stick me next to two cynical people at a dinner party, I'll run away quite quickly. I've been firewalking, and you know what my firewalking sensei called cynical people? Go on. Mood hoovers. <laughs> he said they were mood hoovers. Mood hoovers. God, what an insult. I'd hate to be called a mood hoover. But you're not a mood hoover. I'm not a mood hoover, no, and if you do say that to me one more time, I will strike you down, but in a nice way. Before long, 8,000 people had joined Danny, and now he had to decide what to make them do. He thought that most cults were inherently negative in some manner, so his would be the opposite. His people would go out and perform random acts of kindness. This is the thing I'm not looking forward to, because you just said to me that you're going to train me up to mm. to be a giver of random acts of kindness and I guess kind of implicit in that suggestion is the fact that I'm going to have to talk to strangers. You are? Are you scared of strangers? Yeah, I am. I mean, part of me knows that a stranger is a friend I haven't met. Yeah. But, but most you see, that, that sentence is something that, that Americans say quite a lot and it used to really annoy me because I was thinking, no, some strangers are muggers. But actually, a lot of strangers that you haven't met are just really sort of nice people. And one that I'd uh, quite like to see you maybe attempt, it's an old classic, it's a standard, it's the unsolicited pint for an old man in a pub. Okay, so you're going to stay out here and, stay and watch me through the window. I'll watch you through the window. I'll give you some tips and pointers of where you might be going wrong afterwards, but I, I feel you're going to do this. Okay. Okay, through he goes. Excellent. Good, confident stride. He's trying to find the door. It's not going to go away if we can't find the door. There he is. He's in. Okay. He's going up to the bar now. Um, can't get anyone's attention yet. He's calling out. He's summoning the landlord. Okay, John's ordered the... I think he's just gone the same as what that old man's having. In goes the ice. John's looking slightly nervous, I'll be honest. He's, he's holding his five-pound note, but... It's only an old man, John. Come on. Okay. The, the orange juice is being poured. It's being poured now. That's the transaction. John's doing it. He's speaking to the old man. The landlord looks quite surprised, but he's nodding. The old man is looking at his friend, smiling, ish. Oh no, hang on. John's lost his nerve. That wasn't an orange juice. He's ordered a Coke. He's backed out. Come on, John. John's gone to play the quiz machine. What's he doing? There he is. He's sipping his Coke. What's he, is he trying to win the money now? Here he comes. What happened there? What happened there? Well, I, I offered to buy them a drink. They said no. They said no. Yeah. You don't offer, you do it. You go straight No, no, in. I did do it. I said, and I'll buy these two gentlemen a drink. <laughs> and they said no. We were trying to go for 20 minutes. <laughs> really? So then I, and then I went on the food machine and won a pound. You won a pound? Yeah. So, well, that's kind of interesting karma, isn't it?
Danny said he'd show me how to do it. So he went into a bookshop and bought a book about Dutch fine art. That's this lady. Excuse me. I've just bought this book about Dutch museums, and I realised I don't really know much about Dutch museums, and I was wondering if I could give it to you as a present. Oh, okay. Does thank that make you. you feel nice? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I give it to my son. He loves reading books. Does he? Yeah. That's good. So you can tell him that uh, a stranger gave him a book on Dutch museums. Oh, okay. Thank you. He loved that. Well, will I try that? Yeah, why not? What about the Guinness Book of Records? 1997. Just there, look. Can't Perfect. Can't go wrong. 50p. 50p? Okay. Well, look, 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 look what's happening straight ahead. That old lady that I gave the Dutch Museums book to is talking to her friend. She's had to explain why she's carrying a small book on Dutch museums. Yeah. Spreading the joy, you see, already. Okay. She did seem happy, you she know. She did seem happy. She really did seem happy. Whatever reason you have for doing this, you did give her happiness. And I'm sure that the reasons that you have for doing <laughs> this are good. Am I still being a mood hoover? It's because I haven't successfully done it yet. Excuse me. Would you like a copy of the Guinness Book of Records for absolutely no reason at all? Okay. Didn't yeah. want it. It's not worth. Does this happen it? often? No, is it not, my... not to me. I think it's your general <laughs> demeanour. Okay, here's a man. Excuse me. I brought this copy of the Guinness Book of Records. You can keep and it. Righty. Okay. Yeah, he was quite. Um, I think he look at. Yeah, he's. Um, you're, you're not very good at this. Well, all right. Okay, I've tried this four times. Kindness doesn't become you. It seems. Okay, here we go. Excuse me. I've got this Guinness Book of Records to give away. It's a fine book. I just want to give it to someone at random on the street as a present. I was wondering if I could give it to one of you. Would that be all right? There you go. Thank you. That's all right. Why did you take it from him? Whereas if I had offered it to you, you wouldn't have taken it. Because if it's a present, you have to take it. You can't just leave it. All right. Thank, Thank you. you very much. There you are. Cheers. You Jesus, what's in your rubbish? During my day with Danny Wallace, I didn't manage to spread any positivity whatsoever. I think I was crippled with Britishness. But here are 12 British people, myself included, about to walk on hot coals. We're about two minutes away from going. So guys, get some of the sense for me. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very nervous, but very excited, and I know that I can do it. Are you feeling strong, sense? powerful and magnificent? No, actually. I'm, I should but be doing I'm, it. Very pleased to I'm see feeling it. confident. Come on! Come on! <laughs> so, are you guys ready to walk on fire? Come on! And I did it. Cliff said that if we can walk on hot coals, we can do anything. We can be supermen. We can spread joy across the world. We can be a success in business. Anything. But I'm not so sure. I think that if we can walk on hot coals, what it means is that we can walk on hot coals. But still, it was sort of great. I'm actually feeling quite burned from my feet. Does that mean I'm not quite as magnificent as I thought I was? John Ronson on Positive Thinking was written and presented by John Ronson. The producer was Laura Parfit at Unique, the production company.